This episode is rated for mature audiences as it contains trigger warnings for pornographic content, sexual assault, mental illness, self-harm, necrophilia, violence, death, and suicide. Again, this is your official trigger warning prior to listening to this episode. Thank you. Welcome to the Manic Renegades. The sweeter the mania, the sweeter the episode. I'm Dove. I'm Chell. And today we're discussing the Sandman audiobook, but Chell's going to describe it to me because I haven't listened to it, only she has. So And it's... not just describe it to you, I'm going to do it very poorly. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> very poorly, I'm going to describe it to you very poorly, and we have a few warnings ahead of us before you go any further. We have There's a few warnings? things. We yes, obviously spoiler alert. Oh yes, yeah, spoiler alert. Obviously, yeah. Um, also, um, we should include in this that I have read the very the first two, um, Sandman comic books. So I don't really remember a lot of them. It, I read them like five or six years ago, but I do vaguely remember that the main character's name is Morpheus, and he's like the god of the dreams or something like that and then his sister is death but that's really all i remember um yeah this is um i'm going off of the audiobook if there's differences between the audiobook and the comic book um i did try to compare the comic book i wasn't able to go through the comic book completely so if there's differences i missed i'm sorry like don't come for me so it's mostly the audiobook that I'm going for here. So if you're like, well, that's not how it was in the comic book, I, I don't care. Don't well, I don't I don't really remember I don't <laughs> much about the comic book. I mean, really, I just remember the art style. That was the whole reason I wanted to read it in the first place. Because yeah. the art style, I don't know who Neil, Ga- Neil Gaiman uses, like if he draws it himself or what. But all of his comic books, the art is just beautiful. Yeah, but well, Neil okay, Gaiman disagree. in general. Neil Gaiman in general. This is great. Not that okay, you know disagree. because you've only, this is the only book of his you've ever read. This but... book is a life ruining. This is the main reason why I wanted to do it is because this book was so just unsettling to me. I needed somebody to suffer with me. But see, I, needed... like, I don't know. I like Neil Gaiman. You've seen Coraline. That's like, I feel like his most common. Most, that like, wasn't known. life ruining. I mean, it was creepy. It was not life-ruining. I need somebody to, like, validate my feelings and also agree that this is life-ruining because this is some messed up shit. Now, I did buy this audiobook. Um, I got it oh. for free for subscribing, resubscribing to Audible. So I do plan on listening to it eventually so that I understand a little bit where you're coming from but yeah. uh, no I will say as messed up as the story is the quality of the audiobook itself is amazing like the actors are amazing the sound of is amazing it's basically like a movie it is really great but the story is so fucked up you know Let's my favorite part about Neil Gaiman is that he, for all he of his audiobooks, up. Yeah. no, all of his <laughs> audiobooks, he actually does the narration for. Every single audiobook yeah. of his books that I've gotten, he is the narrator for. And He's I a really great narrator. love that because He's his good. voice is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he is a great narrator. I do love his voice. Um, shall we get started? Yeah. Okay, so just so you guys know, spoiler alert again, but this is not the entire book I'm about to explain because the book is so long. 
But this is going to be episodes one through nine in the book, so it's basically about the first half. And I'm going to poorly explain to it and also essentially paraphrase the book. So don't come for me, because you've been warned. So let's get into it. Starting off 1916, London, England. Everyone is cool, having regular ass dreams. We're all good, right? There's a magician called Roderick Burgess. He attempted to obtain immortality by capturing the embodiment of death because someone made fun of him. You know how fragile masculinity can be, right? So they want death to win a war or something like that. I don't know. And they messed it all up and got Dream instead. Oops, my bad. And they realize it's not death and they try to make use out of it by snatching up his ruby and his helmet and his bag of sand, like all the tools that he has. And then they just throw him in prison because, like, they don't know what else to do with him. And a bunch of people and, like, everything starts getting messed up and, like, everything starts getting out of a line because they did this. A bunch of people start either not sleeping at all because they get such bad nightmares or their dreams are so good that they sleep for like 20 hours a day and then something that they refer to as sleep sickness sweeps over the world and they're basically zombies but like really chill zombies not like um the zombies that want to bite your face off not like those zombies they're like really cool zombies that just want to sleepwalk and stay in a coma don't we all so one of the guards watching dream falls asleep like okay you had one job because like the big thing in the book is like no one is allowed to fall asleep with him around this guy because like that's when he can enter your dreams and fuck everything up so one of the guards falls asleep while listening to another guard talk about a hot girl he saw on vacation even though he had one job he passes out dream escapes and then starts his hunt for his tools and also for revenge, obviously. Because I think at this point he had been in, like, in prison for about 70 years in solitary confinement, pretty much. So he splits and he returns to his realm where a gargoyle named Gregory. <laughs> this shit is so weird. It just, and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. So stay with me. This gargoyle named Gregory takes him to Cain and Abel. Are you are you familiar with Cain and Abel from the Bible? Yes. The brothers that killed each other. Yeah. Right? Or so, one of them killed the other one because he wanted to be the best. Or, I don't know. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, there are characters in the DC universe, apparently. And one is um clearly disabled and one clearly has... Um, very bad angry anger issues and they're constantly like fighting and they're constantly killing or uh Cain is constantly killing Abel um and they're also uh they're also like two of his henchmen like these people are like on his A team and he's the lord of dreams and these are like his two assistants I don't okay whatever whatever okay Okay. <laughs> okay. And they nurse him back to health because that's his posse. That's what he's supposed to do. His ride or die, right? Side note, um, for like half a second, it cuts to a 90-year-old woman named Ethel D, who is at the Arkham Asylum to see her son, who was locked up for 10 years, named John D, a.k.a. Dr. Destiny, who is batshit crazy because he doesn't sleep or dream at all. And it cuts back to Cain and Abel. Cain gives Abel a gargoyle egg. And then beats the shit out of Abel because Abel wanted to name the baby gargoyle Irving. 
I can't make it up. I can't make it up. <laughs> I can't make it up. So, anyway, and then it goes back to Morpheus. <laughs> Morpheus goes to England to find John Constantine. You, you're familiar with Constantine, right? Correct. Okay. So, I wasn't. <laughs> so, who, he was the last person to wait, have his... Wait, wait, wait. We've been friends all this time, and you've never seen fucking Keanu Reeves as Constantine. I I watched it, but I don't know, like, a whole lot about the character or anything. I know I'm not cool. I'm not... No, I'm not familiar with this story. Oh. I He's like an angel or something? Something. Something. Sure. Sure, why not? <laughs> um... Because apparently John Constantine was the last person to have one of his tools, his bag of sand, and he wants that shit back. So he finds John, and John was like, oh yeah, my junkie ex-girlfriend stole that shit from me, so we're going to have to go find her if you want it back. And so, and apparently his junkie ex-girlfriend stole it because she uses it to, like, take, like, cocaine, and she, like, uses it to trip balls on dreams. Huh. Okay. But apparently she's been tripping too hard for too long because when they find her, she is so far gone. And then John is like, dude, she's so messed up. She's so far gone. And I hate to see her like this. Can you just old yell at her ass and just take her out? Because it's really hard to see her like this. And she's on her last leg anyways. And so Dream does. Dream literally kills her because that's what friends do, I guess. So Dream gets his pouch, but on the way out, John is like, just, uh, can you also, uh, take my nightmares with you as well? So he kills his ex and takes his nightmares away. What a pal. What do you do, Dev? <laughs> I send you baby Yodas and tentacle kitties wearing face masks. Yeah, well, I still have nightmares and exes running around. What are you going to do about that? <laughs> Anyways, any who's wills. King of Dream goes to hell, because apparently that's where his helmet is, and immediately establishes dominance by punching the demon at the, at the gate in the mouth. Oh. For mouthing off. As you do. Okay. So, Dream Dude runs into his ex while he's down there, and she's all like, get me out of here, and he's pretty much like, nah, honey, kiss my ass as I walk away. I remember what you did. Thank you, next. Thank you, next, right? Mm -hmm. And then he moves on, and he finds this demon name. I really hope I say this right. Cro-Ronzon? Cro-Ronzon. That's what it looks like. That's what I'm going with. Tweet me okay. snake emojis. I don't care. <laughs> and he says, you need to catch him outside. For He's all like, you need to catch me outside if you want your helmet back. And the demon then picks, up, picks reality for them to fight in. Because, you know, because... Uh, dream challenged him to the fight so the demon gets to pick where the fight is held he picks reality I mean if you want a terrible place reality would be a terrible place <laughs> so they're like alright yeah, let's this go to reality already, like, the 1916 or some shit yeah <laughs> and the two end up fighting in what I describe as a really intense game of D&D okay they're like going back and forth. First are animals, and then it takes a hard left, and the demon decides to be like anthrax. And then Dream is like, oh, so that's how it's going to be? And then Dream is like, I am the world. What now? And then the other dude is like, I'm a planet-destroying Nova. And then 
Dream is like Supernova trying to kill my star. Um, I am the universe and Kronazon, Kronazon, whatever face, what's, what's his face is all like, yeah, well, I am the end. So what's up? And then Dream is like dropping the mic with, I am hope. And then, <laughs> and then it's like so dramatic in the audio book, but Kronazon like straight up freaks out. He just straight up freaks out. He's like, I don't know! <laughs> and it's so dramatic in the audiobook, but he doesn't know. But you have to appreciate the honesty. Like, he didn't try to bullshit his way out of it. He's just straight up like, yeah, I don't know. You win. So <laughs> the dude gets his helmet, and he, like, bows out. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then he goes back to the... Okay, back to the Arkham Asylum. It cuts back to Arkham Asylum with Dr. Destiny, John G., whoever. And the guard gives him an eyeball on a chain. And then he's like, uh, your mom died. And Destiny is like, oh, score. Thanks, mom. Because <laughs> it's like an eyeball on a chain. Like, whatever. And he literally just sneaks out a window. This well, is the Arkham Asylum. we know Asylum. how the Joker got out all those times. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, the, okay, I don't know much about the DC Universe. The only thing I ever knew about the DC Universe before reading this book was, like, the Arkham Asylum, like, the Arkham Asylum, uh, the Batman games. But, like, isn't that where they keep, like, the worst of the worst, like, literally, like, supervillains? Yes. I mean. It is. It is where they keep the worst of the worst. I'm and... not an expert, but. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't leave windows open. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert. I don't know what I'm talking about, but whatever. Moving on. No expert, but this seems sketch. <laughs> Very sus. Very sus to leave the windows open. So Dr. Destiny then jumps into a car with a gun and carjacks. He makes this nurse named uh, Rosemary, I think, uh, drive him somewhere. I don't remember. I think he's... I don't remember where they were trying to go, but he makes this nurse named Rosemary drive him somewhere, and at first she's, like, freaking out on him, and then he, they kind of dissolve into this awkward, almost, like, normal, getting-to-know-each-other kind of conversation, and then, like, this is in the 80s, when AIDS was a big thing, and at one point she's literally like, is it AIDS? Is that why you're like this? <laughs> Is that literally how they talked in the 80s? Like, what the fuck? And so, like, what? Are, and then, like, are, are they just cool now at this point? Because, like, at one point, she's literally like, oh, you look so cold. Here, have have my husband's coat in the back seat, and there's some food as well. Here, take that. I'm like, what are you, best friends now after the carjacking incident? What's going on? Anyway, so he's hitching a ride from her, you know, instead of a carjacking, it's now just hitching a ride because they're apparently cool at this point. And he's hitching a ride to go get the Ruby back from the Justice League storage because that's where the Ruby ended up, was the Justice League storage. So he's going to the storage warehouse. That's where he was going. And then when he gets there, um, why Words was he in the asylum? No, I was trying to remember why he was in the asylum to begin with. Because he's crazy? I don't yeah, probably. Okay, so... <laughs> oh, that's why he was in the asylum to begin with, because he had gotten a hold of the ruby and was torturing people with it. And then he got put in the asylum, and then the ruby was put into storage. And he's going back for the ruby. Okay. I remember now. Okay, so... Yeah, dick move, right? So, well, Morpheus is also 
going for that movie for the Ruby at the storage facility because he got Ward from the last Martian and that's an actual character, okay? Yeah. And D- I'm sure that. DC fans are probably gonna like lose their shit on me right now because I'm over. I, probably. All you have to do is watch Supergirl and you'll meet the last Martian. Jeez. I'm just over here like pissing on DC Universe right now. But yeah, he talked to Last Martian and the Last Martian's like, yeah, that's where your shit is. Go get it. So he's going there at the same time that Doctor D is going there for the Ruby. And Dream Dude shows up at the warehouse, finds a ruby and some kind, and he's like having some kind of weird allergic reaction to it for some reason. And we don't really know why at this point. Dr. D shows up at the warehouse after he gets dropped off by Rosemary, and she's like, oh, good luck, I wish you the best, and then, um, I don't know, maybe she got like some kind of weird, like, drive-by Stockholm Syndrome in that scenario. I don't know what happened, because, like, she's acting like they're BFS. And then when he gets out, he shoots, he shoots her, obviously. Like, obviously. I don't know. Oh, I don't know why. <laughs> why did she think that was going to go any differently? So he walks into the warehouse, and he finds Dream Dude, like, unconscious on the floor because of that reaction he had with the ruby. Like, the fucking Lord of Dreams is unconscious on the floor because he reacted to his own tool. Whatever. Whatever. We're cool. Okay, that's fine. So, <laughs> am I being too critical? I feel like I'm being too critical. So, no. he walks into the warehouse, he sees Dream Dude there, and he's like, oh, easy, cool, okay. And he's, like, literally talking dirty as he goes in there to... Well, okay, no, he grabs a ruby, and then he goes to a diner, and he's, like, talking dirty while he's walking to his diner, and he's like... Oh, yeah, I can't wait to... Uh, it's really gross. Anyways, he goes into this diner, and then this is when, like, the weirdest, worst... Worst of the worst shit starts to happen. Like, things really start to go downhill in the story from here, right? So, he goes into the diner, where there's this group of people eating, and he just goes in and sits down. And then... And they're all in there eating their food, and there's, like, different people at different tables, just, like, and they all have their own stories and their own problems, this, this, and that, and the other. And then, you know, he's very ominously, Dr. D is, like, talking about, like, waiting for the end of the world and this, this, and that. And he just sits there and uses the ruby to make all their nightmares come true. Like, he's just fucking with all these people in the diner. And so the world starts going to shit again because he's using the ruby to manipulate everybody. And and it's not like, but, but not in the same way like it was before where everybody's just turning into chill zombies. Like, people are going batshit crazy. They're, like, committing suicide. Everything is exploding. Just, like, everything is just mass chaos. Just... What did they say in Ghostbusters? Just like dogs and cats living together. Just <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I just can't with this book. It's got me so fucked up. Um, so yeah, he's fucking with all the people in the diner. He's uh, he basically put them on this like 20-hour acid trip. He had them like hallucinating, and then he had them fighting, and then he had them fucking. Oh. And then at one point he's like. He wants them to get to know each other intimately. Very ominous, right? 
and he wants them to announce their secrets to each other. So I'm thinking, oh, they're pretty much going to have like an AA meeting, right? I want They're going to be like, I'm Charlene and I'm an alcoholic. And then somebody's going to be like, I'm Greg and I beat my kids too hard. I don't know. Bitch, no. <laughs> Wrong. It gets worse than that. Imagine my surprise and some bitch tells the story about how she got drunk in college and fucked a dead body and hasn't really feel hasn't really been fulfilled since. And sometimes when she fucks her husband, she has him lay really still so she can pretend he's dead. Oh my. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, who yeah, doesn't do that? Yeah, obviously. So, yeah, and this is that point when I would told you, I was like, nope, fuck this book. We're not doing this. Scrap the whole idea. Move on to something else. And I, like, it took me months to pick it up again. I was like, nope, nope, nope. And it took me, like, months for you to talk me into, like, finishing it because I had already, like, wrote half the script. I was so fucking done. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's move on. As if that wasn't bad enough. Yeah, it gets worse. And I don't remember what the difference was here. I think I was looking at it in the comic book, this part. And and I, I don't remember if it was in the comic book or if it was in the audio book or vice versa or whatever. But then there was this part where he's making them all fuck. And, and then I think it was in the comic book. Like, they're fucking with the Addams Family playing in the background. <laughs> And Dr. Destiny is just watching them like, oh, neat. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. So I'm, I, I, I'm thinking that the comic book and this narrative must follow the same storyline because I honestly did not remember it until you said it. But I vaguely remember reading the scene of Dr. Destiny being in the cafe and fucking with all these people. I vaguely yeah. remember this happening. So, oh my god, this is the worst part by far. And I come to the harsh realization that I was extremely naive to think that this was ever some kind of AA meeting. Uh, I think you were because... naive in the fact of getting into a Neil Gaiman book, never <laughs> reading any of his books, never understanding him as an author. Like, you just screwed yourself. Like, you think Coraline is oh fucked up. God. Coraline is one of the ones that was okay enough to be considered a movie like american gods oh remember God. that show american gods was, where there was that scene yeah. where the lady literally just like ate the dude up her vagina that's the type yeah. of shit he writes that was actually in the book i know i was such a fool coming into this i was such i was such an innocent naive <laughs> No. Okay, so anyway, everyone at the diner finally gets killed or kills themselves or whatever because he's all fucking with them and causing them to do all this weird shit. And, and then Dream walks in, and I'm like, Dream, dude, you missed all the fun stuff. Like, you could have been, like, fucking while Adam's family was playing in the background. Like, great timing, you idiot. Anyways... So Dream, the Dream King, he's like, uh, Dr. Destiny, can I have my ruby back? And he's like, no. And I'm like, you're the Dream King. Can't you just take it? Right. It's yours. Like, just take it. So Dream is like, starts taking off his earrings pretty much. And he's like putting his helmet on. And he's like, you think you have what it takes to be on my level? You think you could be the Dream King? Meet me in Dream Realm. Huh? Meet me in the Dream Realm. And we'll solve it there. And he's like, okay. Let's do it. So Dr. D and Dream King 
dude, whatever his name is, they all go to Dream Realm to find it out. And then another weird D&D game goes down. And eventually the doctor starts really fucking him up. Like, for some reason this doctor starts getting the upper hand on the Dream King dude. And he's like talking dirty the whole time. He's like, how does that make you feel? You like that? Uh, you like that daddy? Well, okay. Not exactly like that, but like pretty much. And he literally crushes the life out of Dream, supposedly. And even destroys a ruby in the process, and everybody else in the realm disappears. And Dr. What's-His-Face is all like, he's suddenly surrounded by this field of, like, white nothingness. He starts celebrating and proclaiming himself the Dream King, and he starts celebrating and verbally twerking, pretty much. Like, he's, like, verbally jerking himself off. He's so happy. And the new king of Dreamland, he is. And then it's revealed that the Doctor is actually being held in the hand of a gigantic dream king who is massive now and he says oh thank you john d and apparently destroying the ruby release the power back into morpheus and he's better than ever now so john d is like oh great you're gonna fuck me up now aren't you and morpheus <laughs> like yeah i should you caused a lot of havoc there oh and by the way <laughs> side note did I mention to you that when John D was fucking up the world with the ruby, there was this part that they cut to, like, they did, like, specific examples of, like, the world falling apart, and one was this lady that went crazy and decided to burn down a geriatric unit, and for some reason, the first person I thought of was you. Was would you like to explain to that to me? What, Just, why, uh, why would you think I would want to burn down my, 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 my work? I work there. Whoa, whoa, I didn't say it was your work. Hey, if that's what you thought I said. If that's what you thought I said, I mean. I'll well, I there. mean, <laughs> there's a lot of fire hazards in mm. certain bedrooms. Right. Um, right. But that is a work in progress. Okay, they're hoarders. And they move mm. from, like, two-story houses into tiny motel rooms. You know, you got to give them a few decades to get rid of some stuff it's accidents happen accidents happen yeah yeah a few few decades they've both been there for over 10 years (laughs) and their rooms are still bad although they're getting better they are getting better so you know it just took them 10 years to understand the fact that they need to downsize oh my god i can't wait till a fire happens and everybody looks at you (laughs) You know, the thing <laughs> is, is if there ever is a fire in our building, it will probably start in one of those two bedrooms. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Rude. Okay. Let's see. Where was I? Oh, yeah. And Dr. D is like, you're going to fuck me up, aren't you? And Morpheus is like, yeah, you deserve to be fucked up. You uh, you really, literally ruined the world. Not nice. Not nice. Not cool, bro. So, but then, like, Literally, like, what's the point of being an immortal god? Because he literally just drags his ass back to Arkham Asylum and would be like, hey, can you not fuck this up this time and take this guy back? Hello? <laughs> Hello? They, uh, Hello? They leave windows open there. They leave windows open there. Why are you taking him back there? Whatever. Whatever. Maybe I'm being too critical. So then we go on to the next chapter. And it, like, kind of cuts to Morpheus, and he's better than ever. He's looking good. He's looking hot. He's feeling good. He had a little glow-up, as we would say, and he's, like, walking through the park, and he's feeding pigeons. 
And then this little emo girl walks up, right? Death. Yes. Death. Death. Yes, I remember. Yes, I ma'am. remember her because she was pretty. I love her. And then she's like talking to him. She's talking about Mary Poppins and being all perky <laughs> and like not like him at all. And she's being all perky. She's talking about Mary Poppins. And then she's like, "What's wrong? Why are you so? Why are you like this? What's wrong? Doing that whole thing, right?" And so it becomes apparent that they actually know each other. And then it becomes more apparent. And then you know, and then they finally like you know tell you that that's his sister death and then she suddenly pops off on him like she gets all mad at him she's like calls him an idiot for being so depressed and throws the bread that he's feeding the pigeons to at his face it's like bro that's dream what are you doing you can't just throw bread at that guy and then i was like oh wait she's death maybe she can't get away with that kind of shit i don't know and I don't know how that works. <laughs> and then um, she's like, oh, you can't be depressed. And it's like, also, why do you have to be depressed about? <laughs> um, I guess he was, I think he was depressed about the fact that, like, he worked all that time to get vengeance and he never really got vengeance or something. I don't know. And, and then she's like, oh, by the way, I have work to do. Do you want to come with me? And then... As if it's like some kind of weird, messed up sister-brother bonding, she takes him on one of her trips to go collect the souls of the recently deceased and take him into like the afterlife or like the sunless lands, I call it. And it's so, such a creepy and depressing, like part of the story. Like first she collects the soul of this old man that died like on the couch playing the violin. And then uh, they collect the soul of the comedian that was electrocuted on stage. And then the saddest one, they collect the soul of an infant that died in his crib. I was like, what the fuck? And it's literally like you hear the voice in the, in the audiobook. You can hear the voice like, what? That's all I get? And she's like, yeah, sorry, buddy. We have to go. Why? <laughs> Neil Gaiman, what are you doing to me, dude? Anyways. And then we go to the next episode, episode nine, which is by far the weirdest episode in my, well, no, the diner episode is the weirdest episode. This is probably like the second weirdest episode, I think. It throws all the way back to like an undisclosed time, but like hundreds, maybe thousands of years back to um, the Kalahari Desert Okay. in Africa. And I know this because in the audiobook they specify it's Kalahari Desert. In the comic book, they do not specify where it is. So the comic book readers better not come for me, because in the audiobook they told me it was Kalahari Desert, and I checked the comic book, and they did not. So I don't want anybody to get confused and be like, how do you know? I checked. Okay? So. And then, <clears throat> so. We start off on these two tribesmen. One is a young man who just got circumcised. Yeah, they felt the need to specify that because apparently circumcision in their culture is like the pathway to adulthood. And he's there with his grandfather and his grandfather is telling him a tale from many years ago of a 16 year old queen called Nada who did not have a man. She ain't got no man. And even her servants and all the other women in the village would tease her about it. Okay, so all the other women in the village would hassle her about not having a man. And then she'd be like, okay, great, I'll take a man. Where he at? Where's my man? Find me a man, I'll take him. 
but nobody can find her a man, so. And also, I call bullshit. She's literally a fucking queen. What do you mean she can't find a man? You're full of shit. You're full of shit, Nell Gaiman. You're full of shit. Anyways. Then one day, a tall, dark, and handsome stranger shows up to the village. Ooh la 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 la. Ooh la la. It's dream. It's dream. Spoiler alert. It's dream. Okay? <laughs> um, and in a true basic-ass fairy tale fashion, she spots him from the tower. He woos her with one look. No words. One look. That's it. Nada wakes up the the next day. She's, like, going crazy. She's like, y'all need to go find that guy. You need to go find him. I love him. That's my bae. Everybody. She tells all of her servants. Everybody in the whole freaking village. Everybody just go find that guy. I don't care what it takes. She's like, go find that yum yum chocolate dip, honey dip. I want a scoop. I want to take a ride in his coop. Shoop da loop. Shoop da boop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but the dude did. He's gone. Nowhere to be found. No one can find him. Nada is all fucked up. She's like, oh my god, that guy I looked at once. Oh my god, that guy I looked at once. Go find him. Nothing else matters anymore. I only want him. You know, 16-year-olds, right? Yeah. So, she does what any girl would do. She goes to the forest and finds the king of birds. It's not what you think it is. It's a giant bird that rolls over the other birds. Is that what you thought it was? Whatever. So she asked him for help finding this dude that she looked at that one time. And the big bird was all like, yeah, me and my bird friends are on it. So all the birds go looking for him. And then one of the little birds is all like, yo, I saw your dude. What's up? And Nada was all like, well, tell me where he's at. And she's like, well, I got to tell you what's up. I know about these berries of fire and you can eat one and if you eat one they'll put you next to the person that you're in love with and Nada was like tell me where I can find them and then the bird was like I'll go get them for you so the bird flies off and brings them brings Nada the berries to eat so she can find her true love or whatever and which is like a really shady thing to do like eat berries of fire Okay, whatever. But, so she eats one of the berries. Uh-huh. Trying to remember if anything happened before that. You know, because she's like 16 and bullshit, like, love from people I don't know mean everything to me, you know. Of course. How like Sleepy Beauty are. and Snow White. And <laughs> yes, absolutely. Cinderella. Yeah, of course, yeah. So, and then her... Okay, so when she eats the berries, her soul leaves her body. Because, obviously, Dream isn't in the mortal realm anymore. He's in the immortal realm. So her her soul leaves her body, and she goes to the immortal realm. And it's hilarious. This part was hilarious to me, because, like, in this timeline, or, like, whatever, you know, you even find this, like, African version of Cain and Abel fighting and killing each other again when she goes to the immortal realm. Because they can't get along for two goddamn seconds no matter what reality they're in. It's hilarious. Anyways, well, it's probably not hilarious. It was funny to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, because she has a fire berry in her, everyone was like, oh, stay away. And they help, like, lead her to the, you know, they, they don't fuck with her. They actually help lead her to the Dream King or whatever. 
And he's in his usual form, not in the disguise that he was wearing when he first saw her. So she's like, who's this dude? And then she tells him, she's like, hey, I'm looking for this hottie I saw in my tower last night. You know where he is? And he's like, surprise, bitch, it was me. And then she literally coughs up the berry like a furball. <laughs> and then passes out to return to her, her world. But he follows her, and he's like, uh, why did you literally hunt me down and then just run off? And she's like, which is a perfectly reasonable question, you know. And she's like, well, you're fucking immortal. I didn't know that, and we can't be together because I'm not immortal. So I decided to just leave. And he's like, all flattered. He's like, oh, you did all that for me? <laughs> well, like, you're cute or whatever. Let's get married. However... Love is not dreams department. He's not supposed to be doing any of that. That's desires department. Like, he needs to stay in his fucking lane, right? So, Nada could feel that something was amiss, because dreams not supposed to be in love or whatever. So, she turns into a gazelle and books it, as you do. <laughs> you know. You know how it is. So, you know what? She's just like, you know what? I'm good. And she just makes a run for it. But he chases her down. He's like, no, oh, where do you think you're going? And he chases her down, and she's like, light bulb, ding, 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 I have an idea. No guy wants to marry a girl that isn't a virgin, so she takes a sharp rock and stabs herself in her lady bits. So when Dream catches up to her, he, she's like, oh no, look what happened, I guess you don't want me anymore. That's too bad. And he's like, yeah, I'm not a human, so those rules don't even apply to me. So then he heals her, and then they fuck all night, and then every living being dreams of them fucking wow um. and then the next day the son sees what they did and he gets mad and blows up her entire village and she's like yep i don't like that and then she throws herself off the cliff and then dream finds her in the afterlife and it's pretty much like yeah that hurt my feelings you literally jumped off a cliff instead of being with me and she's like, yeah, because my village got blew up and worse things were going to happen, so I just chose a lesser evil. And he's like, you know what, I'll give you one more chance. Either love me and be my queen or stay in hell forever and fuck off. And she's like, like I said, worse things will happen, so quit asking me. And unless you haven't figured it out yet, she's that ex that we were talking about earlier on when he was all like, yeah, I see you. Thank you. Next. So we know what happens. And those are the first nine episodes of the Sandman. And no, I would not recommend this book to anybody because I would not like anybody else to suffer the way I did. You know, there's plenty of people out there that are praising this book is one of the best books Neil Gaiman has ever turned into an audiobook. His Sandman comics have won so many awards. They could be wrong. Well, <laughs> they should seek help. <laughs> they should seek help, because this book had me all kinds of fucked up, and I only read half of it, for fuck's sake. But, I will There's do more. Part... No, I will, if people like it, and if they ask for it, I will do a part two, and I will put myself through this again, and I will do it again, and I'll do the second half. So, if you ask for it. so she did this book for the the poorly explained. I read Midnight Sun, the newest Twilight oh, novel, Lord. and I'm just going to do a little snippet to poorly explain it. If you have okay. read Twilight, 
and you thought Edward was creepy in Twilight, it is a hundred million times worse in Midnight Sun. They turned a 200 and some page book into a 900 some page book. And 90% of the book is Edward fucking stalking Bella. (laughs) The only thing that I did like about it is that it did give more of an insight into some of the other characters, the other Cullen family. It gave, you learn a lot more about like Alice and Jasper and Emmett and Rosalie and stuff like that, that you don't really learn in the original Twilight books. But beyond that, it was literally just reading a stalker's journal essentially that's literally what it was it was so oh awful I had to, remember i had to turn it like turn it off like halfway and read a completely different book to like cleanse yeah. my brain from the stalkerism and yeah. anyways that was my poorly explained uh that was it right there i poorly explained midnight sun to everybody no like <laughs> literally she she texted me she's like this is bullshit this is so creepy i hate this <laughs> I mean, there's literally a scene like the first like 200 pages of the book is him stalking her mm-hmm. before she even like showed an interest in him. It's literally just like him stalking her during that whole like the first 20 pages of the original Twilight book where she thinks she hate he hates her and wants to like murder her or some shit. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait though. I'm excited. I want you I I don't I'm really excited that I can entirely avoid reading it and just have you explain it to me. So that way I won't have to put myself through that. It was awful. It was awful. It was the worst. You're die ha- diehard Twilight fan. I guess maybe it would be worth it to read it. Because like I said, you do learn a lot about the other characters in the Cullen family. But that is literally like the only benefit to reading it. Everything no. else that happened in the book was just creepy. Like no, really, I'd rather like have an easily like a compressed, easy to digest, like, like a short story version yes. of where you just learn all the stuff you learn about the family. Yeah, like, just give me the key elements. That's all I want. Have you started Dune yet? I'm just about to. Yeah. Okay, so I have this plan. Um, I think that when we're fi- you're finished with it, we should do a podcast on it. And then we should go meet in Omaha and go to the movie together and then <gasps> the do movie! another podcast on it. Yes! Absolutely! Because I think that would be fun. Plus, it gives us each a weekend or however long vacation from our homes. <laughs> oh, I'm for that. Uh, and it's way better than the like 16 hour drive it is to get from my house to your house (laughs) absolutely right awesome lot to look forward to should we end it here uh yeah probably i mean this is a little shorter than our normal episodes but uh you know, you listen to Chell rant about how fucked up Neil Gaiman's writing is. Um, I'm sorry if I was so critical. They're all my personal opinions. You don't have to agree with me at all. Good, if you disagree with me, no, I, absolutely. <laughs> if you disagree with me, it's perfectly fine. It was just my opinion, and it was just poorly explaining my personal view of the book. So feel about it how you like to feel. Let me know. How you feel, actually. Actually, you know what? Definitely go on our Facebook page and let me know how you feel and tell me if I was wrong. Um, help me, and just to help me better what, appreciate what's the, word I'm for? the God that is Neil Gaiman. You Lord, mean? 
Lord, Lord. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but just like, yeah, just help, help me learn. Help me learn. Help me understand. Learned, That's what I mean. Help you help learn me the ways. Learn. I want to learn. Help me understand. Like, honestly, help me understand better. I want to know. I want to see it from, like, their Neil's fans' perspectives. I want to understand the ways. Please help me learn. <laughs> yes. I'm tired. Sorry. I yawned. That was seriously, like, a full, like, minute-long yawn. <laughs> uh, anyways. So, we'll see you next time, guys. Again... We're probably going to have a lot of gap in between our next episodes. A lot of craziness going on working in healthcare right now. Um, Kill me. I mean, yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> it is. Seriously, this fucking every week we get COVID tested now. And it's ridiculous. Um, oh, my because... God. My workload has tripled since this pandemic started. Where in the world is my will to live? But well, um, yeah, don't you can tweet us. Our facility is full now. Yeah. It's so insane. there's We're like busy. twice as many residents that I'm used to, and they're all paranoid, anxiety, like crazy messes of people. I mean, they're all super wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but like emotionally, the COVID mm. is just destroying their mental status. Yeah. I swear to God, like if it wasn't for COVID, they'd oh, still be crazy. <laughs> they'd still they'd still be crazy. Don't get me wrong, I love them to death, but they would still be crazy. But COVID is just taking it to, like, a whole new level. <laughs> Anyways, no, yeah. tweet us, Facebook us. We have pages on both. Yeah, um, um, at, at Manic Renegades on Twitter. Facebook is Manic Renegades. You know where to find us. You can go on there and put a bunch of snake emojis about, you know, to let me know how you feel about me being <laughs> so overly critical about Nate Gaiman and how much you hate me for all the things I said. That's fine. We also <laughs> post stuff on there about upcoming episodes sometimes, or if an episode is delayed, we'll post it on our Facebook or Twitter. Um, plus, we just sometimes just share funny memes because you know memes are fun because memes cure my depression that's why <laughs> <laughs> it does um thanks anyways. for listening yeah thank you we'll see you guys next time bye